You are listening to Saber and Sage Unplugged, and I'm your host, Stephanie Renee. Each season, I'll be hooking up with a diverse group of folks that are unplugging and giving an unfiltered glimpse into their lives, creative process, and dropping that sage advice to carry us through life. When you think of startups in the Bay Area, a tech company is usually what's going to come to mind. But Sadie Sheffer's journey is a little bit different. Sadie is the founder and CEO of Bread Seriously, the Bay Area's first gluten-free sourdough bread company. Who would have thought that bread would lead her on a journey to love, building a business from scratch, and a quest to dare to lead in a more caring and inclusive way? That's just a glimpse into Sadie's inspirational story. Listen in. Well, hi, Sadie. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Saber and Sage Unplugged. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited to be here with you, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for agreeing to come on. I am so excited to talk to you. And one of the things that I ask all of my guests um, is how did your food journey or your journey begin? Well, it began... In about 2009, um, I had dropped out of college and moved to San Francisco to follow my college crush. Um, And when I got here, he wasn't interested in dating me, but I knew that he was gluten intolerant. And so I figured if I just made gluten-free food and invited him over, we would hang out Um, and that eventually he would, you know, fall for me by virtue of us hanging out and me being such a great cook. So I learned to cook <laughs> and I learned to cook without gluten and then I learned to bake. Um, and it was a big adventure there. Um, and I definitely fell in love with both cooking and then baking um, over that process, which was really cool. So I've done art all my life um, and always had um, like always wished that I were more creative in my art and in my ideas. And I felt like when I started cooking, I, I was having the kinds of creative ideas that I wished I had with my artwork, which was mm. a really interesting thing to, to realize and sort right. of grieve and celebrate at the same time. Um, so that's, that's what got oh, me wow. started with food. So let me just understand this. You did not cook at all, really, before this whole adventure started? Let's see. I, I literally started cooking in seventh grade. I had a home at class where we learned to okay. make chicken stir fry. So I would cook chicken stir fry like once a month for my family as a seventh grader. And then in high school, I went vegan. And so I would help my mom by either cooking my own food or cooking vegan food for everyone. And in college, we had um, kitchens instead of meal plans, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. And I was... <laughs> um, but not too many people know this, but I was big into dumpster diving in college. I was in oh, with the cool dumpster diving kids. And so I would learn to cook like Brussels sprouts because we got Brussels sprouts from the dumpster. So uh, things I had never cooked before, I actually learned a lot of variety from, from dumpster diving, which. Okay. You know. Now, before you even go on, because I know a lot of folks are not going to know what the heck is dumpster diving. Yeah. So just give us a little bit of what dumpster diving is. Well, dumpster diving, the way I did it was a little, like, there are many ways to do it, but um, it's basically getting packaged food out of 
grocery store dumpsters. So we would go to Trader Joe's. Um, so there would be like a sealed bag of Brussels sprouts where like one Brussels sprout had gone bad. So they throw out the whole thing. Or there'd be, you know, like a bag full of individually wrapped cheese that, you know, had a mold spot or something like that. Um, or just packaging gone wrong. Like, and th this was in Boston. So there was like, it was cold and frozen out. So there aren't like, food safety <laughs> issues there. It's a little harder right. in a warm weather climate. Um, there'd be things like, you know, an entire flat of naked juice where the label was put on upside down. So the product is great oh, wow. and it's frozen. So it's safe. And that was cool. I'm not like recommending people do this now, but when I was 18, it was a great idea. <laughs> and I learned a lot about food and about the varieties of food from the Trader Joe's. Yeah. <laughs> a little embarrassing, but I think, I, I think it's pretty cool. You know, there's probably a ton of things that people did think they would do and then they tried it and it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't do it anymore. But I think there's great, you know, I think the aspect of like recovering food waste is great. I think there's a lot of organizations that do it in a more legit way now, which is mm -hmm. really nice. And hopefully most grocery stores are partnered with them instead of just like throwing out a whole bunch of stuff right. that is really wasteful, donating it to people who need food. So I'm right. all for diverting I mean, food waste. Exactly. And I mean, I think that that speaks to how do you stop food waste, especially like if you have something just because it doesn't look perfect, uh, which I think when things are imperfect, they're beautiful um but it doesn't mean that you just have to throw it away or just because the label is on upside down so how do you actually use it in another way because it's still good Definitely. totally love it <laughs> so now tell us a little bit more about the genesis of bread seriously so we're we're in 2009 i'm baking gluten-free baked goods, cookies and cakes and breads um, to impress my college crush, Jesse. Um, <laughs> it took 10 months of doing that before we finally started dating, which was awesome. Oh, wow. And um, then I found out that I was gluten intolerant as well. Um, I sort of found out by accident. I thought that I was having all sorts of stomach aches. I've had stomach aches my mm. whole life. Um, and I was working at a coffee shop and eating all the day old pastries because they're so delicious and free. <laughs> and I was 20 again. Um, and I, I thought I was probably having these stomach aches because I was eating too much sugar and that I didn't have the willpower to stop eating sugar. But what I could do is trick myself and say, I'll stop eating gluten. And if I don't eat gluten, I won't eat the day old pastries and therefore I won't be eating as much sugar. And my stomach issues went away in like two days mm. for the first time in my life, which was awesome. Wow. I'd already been making gluten-free food for the last year. So I had my feet under me. Like I sort of knew what to do for a year and a half by this point. And then I, I had been about to try making a sourdough for the first time when I realized that I couldn't eat gluten. Um, and so I felt like I missed my opportunity to try out sourdough fermentation. Um, but decided to just try it with gluten-free grains and see if it worked. And I was basing that on um, Ethiopian injera bread, which is fermented teff. So it, it is a gluten-free sourdough. Um, and so I was like, okay, it probably will work because it works for teff and I'll just throw some stuff in a bowl and see what happens. And it worked. I was really excited about it. Um, and 
um, I've always been someone who like launches hobby businesses. So I'll, I'll make something and then I'll start selling it because I keep making it. Um, and so I did the same with bread. I was like, great, I'm making bread. I want to make more bread. I'll start selling this to my friends. And that's like the end of the business vision is I sell to my friends. Um, so with bread, seriously, it, it sort of, it caught on in a way that my other, you know, t-shirt businesses never really mm-hmm. did. Um, and realized that it was, it was maybe more of a good idea than the other businesses had been and that I'd better learn how to run a business pretty fast. Right on. That's amazing. Um, Just from this one thing of liking a boy (laughs) to turning something into a business that was not even on your radar um, to do. So that's amazing. Thanks. Yeah. People who know me well, I, I don't have like I'm, I'm getting better, but I don't have that much impulse control. So when I think something is a good idea, I, I do it. <laughs> but I think that's good. I mean, you know, sometimes you have to be impulsive. Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking about bread and um, you mentioned that you could find this creativity in cooking and, and making your bread, um, so what's your favorite loaf that you like to make? Actually, I don't really bake. So oh. I have this amazing team of employees who bake everything. Um, I get in the kitchen when I'm like developing a new recipe. But even then, it's I'm these days, I'm more like writing the recipe and handing it off to my team. Um, mm. So the thing I actually do bake is pizza. And that is definitely a favorite so since covid started um i've been making pizza like once a week since or more (laughs) since last march which is i definitely like a big life upgrade (laughs) (laughs) i love pizza i'm a new yorker um so that's it's a very similar recipe to our our classic sourdough um Mm -hmm. which is not my favorite product i i like I like bread with stuff in it. So I like our seeded bread. I like our cinnamon raisin bread. I liked our old sweet onion bread. And before that, our kale sourdough. Oh, um, but the pizza dough is awesome because it's this vehicle for all of the imaginative, seasonal, delicious toppings or fridge clean out toppings, you know, whichever, <laughs> whichever yeah. situation. Um, so that's that's my favorite bread thing. Okay, right on. I love it because I love pizza for one. Uh, I could probably eat pizza, even though I love to cook. Pizza and hamburgers, I can like eat <laughs> a lot of. Well, I thought the same was true, but w- so I started making the pizza on uh, last March because we thought, okay, everyone's cooking at home, let's launch a pizza dough mix, which mm-hmm. we decided against doing, but I had developed the recipe really fast. And so I was like testing the recipe and in the process of testing the recipe, I was like, well, unlimited pizza, great. So we would have pizza twice a week and then three times a week and then four times a week. And it turns out there is a limit. <laughs> so I had to take a break after the, the four times a week. Period. Right, okay. <laughs> once a week is, is a good sweet spot for me. <laughs> Okay, I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep that in mind. So what's your inspiration for the different recipes that you come up with? Mm, It's changed a lot. Um, And 
Yeah, I don't really know how to answer that right now. So in the beginning, I was inspired by the farmer's market. I was working at the farmer's market when I launched Fed Seriously. And I I like stuff that's new and exciting. And I definitely wanted that for myself in running a business. Um, and so I launched with the, with the uh, I don't know, rule for myself to never repeat a flavor. Okay. <laughs> um, which got really hard really fast. <laughs> So I would make three things a week and they were always new recipes, which evolved into like always the same dough recipe with just different stuff added into it. And so Mm. I would work the farmer's market, you know, I got paid in produce. So I would just shop for whatever ingredients I needed and I would make sure they weren't ingredients I've used before. Um, Mm -hmm. So just whatever was fresh and at the market and someone was willing to trade with the produce that the farmer I worked for sold would just go into the bread. So I made Swiss chard bread and I made kale bread and I made onion bread and I made salsa bread with heirloom tomato juice. And it, it got wacky because I was like out of ideas. Wow. <laughs> but that was the original inspiration until a bunch of my customers were like, can you just make the classic sourdough, please? Because you just you made that once and it was good and we want to buy that every week. So it was news to me that someone would want to buy the same kind of bread every week, um, which in hindsight, it seems very obvious. Um, And so that's when we made like a set menu. Um, So that was classic sourdough, seeded sourdough, kale sourdough. And then we added the sandwich rolls and dinner rolls. Um, So now when we're looking for new flavors, it's more looking to like what our customers are asking for. So Cinnamon Mm -hmm. Raisin is a product that we launched last year. Of course, Cinnamon Raisin has been a favorite of mine since I was a little kid. Um, So I'm also delighted that people were asking for that. Um, I have a major sweet tooth. And um, yeah, as we're looking, like we don't know what product is going to be next, but we're definitely looking for like feedback from our community rather than like just the things that I'm personally excited about. Right. Yeah. And I think that speaks volumes because it's so important to listen to, uh, like you say, your community, the folks that are um, supporting the work that you do and, and eating the bread. So um, like figuring out what they like, asking them what they like, and then trying to meet that, I think is important. Definitely. Yeah. And you, you and I met doing some hardcore listening practice. So it's skills that we're working on. Being exactly. Is half the battle. Exactly. Exactly. It's so important to listen, you know, and that's something that I struggle with sometimes. I think I'm a pretty good listener, but definitely struggle because I have to stop you know, trying to think of what the thing is I'm going to say in response to whoever's talking to me and just really tune in to what they're saying and embrace that. Yeah, it's real hard. (laughs) So what are three tips you would give the home bread maker? Everybody has gotten into making bread. Well, not everybody, because I still didn't step into trying to make sourdough. Eventually I will, but I have not. But I know a lot of people have gotten into bread making, um, especially over this last year. But what are three tips you would give the home bread maker or even somebody that may be um, a little timid about making their own bread? What would those tips be? Yeah. 
great question. Um, well, the first one is, is do it, try a sourdough. Um, sourdough, so I'm from the East Coast. We didn't grow up eating sourdough. Um, I thought sourdough was a West Coast novelty bread, oh, um, wow. which it is not. Sourdough, sourdough is like a real, like healthy, nourishing, ancient fermented food. Um, it's not a novelty flavor <laughs> like I thought it was. You know, a lot of sourdough bread that you can buy in the store is made with sourdough flavoring, um, which is, you know, sad. Um, but sourdough is this ancient fermentation process it's present in like cultures around the globe for like people are like finding samples of sourdough bread like further and further back in time which is cool um so it's got a lot of health benefits that a lot of people don't know about um that bread that has processed yeast like baker's yeast does not have um Mm -hmm. because baker's yeast is a single strain yeast and it has no bacteria sourdough is many types of yeasts plus bacteria plus fungi um, and so they all have different jobs and they break down grains and they break down sugars and they break down proteins and unlock nutrients. So it's just like all around better for you. If you're gluten intolerant, you want to use gluten-free grains. Uh, if you're not gluten intolerant, sourdough fermentation partially breaks down gluten proteins anyway. So the bread is easier to digest. So mm-hmm. play with sourdough. Like, don't be afraid to mess it up and you'll learn a lot from it. So that's my first one. And, and my second one, the second one is play. Right. If you're going to bake bread at home, don't be afraid to play. Um, you don't have to follow the books. Like bread is actually really simple mm. and really nuanced at the same time. So like touch stuff. You definitely want to touch stuff when you're making bread. You want to like for the first two years of bread, seriously, we didn't own a scale. We used like we measured water wow. by by feel, which uh-huh. in hindsight is ridiculous trying to like scale up a, a food company. But in the, you know, it made sense for us at the time where like someone had to be like an employee for six months before they were allowed to measure the water, <laughs> you know, because you had to know exactly <laughs> what it felt like in a very tactile way. Um, so touch stuff. Don't be afraid to get dirty. Don't be afraid to play and experiment. Don't be afraid to mess up because that's the best way to learn. And the last tip for home bread baking is try to get steam in your oven. Steam is really Mm. important in bread baking because it's what makes a nice crispy golden crust. Um, especially important with gluten-free baking. I'm not sure why it's more important with gluten-free baking, but it's, if you don't have steam with gluten-free bread, you get a crust that's like bright white and matte. It's like, oh, it's like really ugly. <laughs> so huh. if your bread's coming out ugly, it might be because you don't have steam in your oven. Most home ovens are vented so that they release steam really effectively, which is bad news for bread making. So there's a lot of hacks to get more steam, like using a Dutch oven. Dutch ovens are really heavy and also really expensive. So we use a hotel pan with a lid. Mm like 30 bucks instead of 300 bucks and it weighs nothing so that's nice so you like preheat it pour some water into the bottom put your bread in slap a lid on and that'll trap enough steam to get you that nice crust oh wow those are really good tips i had no idea i've seen people um baking their bread in the dutch ovens but i had no clue why they were doing that so 
<laughs> and I, I definitely feel um, just the tactileness in really getting the, in there and, and playing with your bread. I did start making, uh, so I, I retract what I said a little bit earlier. I did start making uh, milk bread, um, which I love. Um, and I've been playing around with that. And I saw that I really had to get in there with the kneading so I could feel what it was like to be right. <laughs> and I actually tried it using a, a hook one time and I was like, yeah, I still need to like get in there so I can feel it and know exactly what the texture is that I'm looking for. Definitely. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And I mean, tools are great, <laughs> but like I grew up with a stand mixer. And so it was like starting to mix things by hand was kind of a drag when I didn't have a stand mixer, like in college and after. And now that I have a stand mixer again, I prefer to mix by hand, which is fun. Yeah. Now I'm not used to having one. Um, <laughs> by the way, I got a special delivery here from Jesse in the next room who heard me talking about Oh, the hotel pan setup. This is actually well, Jesse's idea. He gets full credit here, but yeah, it's just this. That's a really good idea. Okay. Right on. Okay. Well, thank you, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> so, what else is on the horizon for you right now? I don't really know how to answer that. Um, <laughs> I guess, let's see. We are, so our facility right now is really small we're in a place called the Berkeley kitchens which is a lovely place it's got um, maybe 20 units like eight offices and 12 kitchens and they're already built out so you just sort of plug in your equipment which is cool it means you don't have to pay a whole bunch of money to build out a, a space but the spaces are really mm -hmm. small and really expensive so we are currently in three kitchens and two offices in that building so we're fully like a quarter of the building wow um and so we're working on like designing the next facility for ourselves, whether that's next year or the year after or the year after that, or even further in the future. Um, so that's a big thing that's next for us. Um, hopefully like having fewer walls and fewer hallways between our units and having everyone on the same, we're under the same roof, but we're not really under the same roof because we're in, we're scattered across the building. So that's a big one. Um, we, let's see, I just pitched our, pitched my 10 year vision for the company to our team. Um, and so it's, it's kind of a skeleton of a framework to think about our next 10 years. So we get to start working backward now and filling out, like getting some meat on the bones of like, really, what is the story we're trying to tell with the brand over the next 10 years? Nice. And thinking about kind of your entrepreneurial journey, what is the recipe you would give someone that's looking to start their new business or just looking to start something new, a new journey in life? What's the recipe that you would say to them um, to support them on staying the course? Oh, that's a hard one. I think self-awareness is probably the top skill that anyone needs maybe in life but definitely in business mm -hmm. um I used to tell people like just start just do it if you, you know have fun you'll learn along the way and I've definitely learned that 
like that does not work for everyone that works for people like me um maybe it's my myers-briggs personality type i'm an entp for anyone who's listening um but there are people who that doesn't work for so know yourself and what works and what doesn't work for you like i think the the best advice is the advice that works for you not the advice that worked for someone else um so be like do some some digging and like understand yourself ask yourself questions maybe answer some prompts like what works for me what scares me in a good way what scares me in a very bad way I like that i like that yeah and maybe like pay attention to the stuff that scares you in a good way pay attention to the stuff that scares you in a bad way because that's probably a, a red flag to pay attention to saying like okay just starting sounds really bad like i need to put three years into planning this great that's something that's really important to know because if you're someone who wants to take three years planning and you decide to just start it's going to be really shitty for you (laughs) and vice versa if you're someone who just needs to start and you take three years planning that's probably going to take all of your mojo and all of your inspiration as well so get to know yourself get to trust your own skills and your own weaknesses as well weaknesses are really important Um, because when you know them, you can talk about them and you can find advisors who don't have those weaknesses or who can compliment you. Um, you don't have to be the one who's good at everything. And I think longer term advice, especially for anyone who's like thinking about hiring people, like hire people who are smarter than you. Uh, it took me a couple of years of running Red Seriously to learn that I, it was not my job to be the best at everything. Um, I was 22 when I started my business. I was like, you know, had a really big ego and a lot of pride and was used to doing things on my own, super competitive by nature um, and letting go of that need to be right and that need to be a knower and that need to be the best of things was very transformational for the whole business. Definitely had helped my employees have a better time, <laughs> helped me be a much better boss, more compassionate, more accepting, more into celebrating other people's successes. That's wonderful. I mean, you, you dropped so many different nuggets in that, um, but really thinking about and taking an honest look at those areas of growth that you have, and then how do you actually staff those areas of growth with other people to help be your thought partner and and support what you're trying to do. And so I think that's great. So great. Thanks. Okay. So we're going to step a little bit away from the bread making because I saw that you are into making paper plants. Now, I know paper flowers. I've done paper flowers, but you're full on doing plants. So how did you get into this? Well, I started with paper flowers. No, I started with felt flowers, actually. Mm. Um, When Jesse and I were planning our wedding, I decided I was in like a really deep period of burnout where I had no hobbies. I was not interested in my business. I was sort of doing nothing. I I was hiking. I was like just walking all the time, which was cool. Um, But I I didn't feel motivation. And so I decided I'm going to make every single wedding decoration um, from scratch because that'll be a project for myself. Maybe that'll like snap me out of my burnout, which maybe it did eventually, but it still took a really long time. And so I was just like on Pinterest and looking at YouTube tutorials and then I found a felt vendor and just bought like hundreds of dollars worth of felt and hot glue and just made flowers like all day every day 
to, to the point where I would like go to work and I would be thinking to myself like, oh, I could be making like 30 flowers right now instead of working. Like <laughs> it was pretty weird. Wow. Um, and then we had a wedding and it was beautiful and everyone loved the decorations. And then I was really sad because I felt like I couldn't keep making flowers because the wedding was over. Um, so I decided to just keep making them anyway, um, which was a good decision for me personally. <laughs> and I had heard about this material called crepe paper. I don't know if that's what you've used, um, but it's this magical material. It's everyone has probably seen it. It's like the you know, those like cheapo rolls of paper streamers that you like Mm -hmm. throw that have the wrinkles in them. You can buy it in big sheets that have these, it's a a higher quality crepe paper. So it it has these like deeper creping, these deeper folds and you can stretch it and you can basically sculpt with it, which is really cool. So you can make much more natural. Oh, it's an amazing material. Um, So then I moved on to that and the the felt was like in comparison the felt flowers are like cartoon flowers and the crepe paper flowers are like replicas of flowers which was really fun um there's also lots of crepe paper artists crepe paper flower artists um like on instagram and um they make beautiful work and their flowers are much better than mine um one of my the things i would always avoid making was leaves because they're really time consuming with crepe paper because you use the the folds of the crepe paper to be the veins of the leaves so you have to get them in the right orientation and it's kind of a pain in the butt i never enjoyed making the leaves but the flower arrangements never looked quite right without the leaves um and so one day i i went to uh where did i go i think joanne fabrics and they were having this big sale on cardstock and so i just bought a bunch of cardstock and decided that i was just going to make flat leaves out of cardstock. Um, I used to paint. So I had this like craving to paint. So I started painting leaves on cardstock and that was like, oh, this is a thing that I can do. And like, maybe other people haven't really done this before and that's cool. And so I used some of the things I learned from making paper flowers and started making, you know, trees, (laughs) (laughs) which has been really lovely. So um, these two trees here were my two big COVID projects. Um, yeah, I mean, so, they're beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. They're really lovely to make. Right now I'm work. I just started making this, which is a, a big philodendron. Oh, wow. So I'm, I'm excited. It's pretty basic. This is just like green paper with green paint on it. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure whether I'm going to like keep it flat or try to wrinkle it or put wire on it. But um, it's it's just really fun. I love gardening but I'm I'm pretty rubbish at house plants like I can mm-hmm. do outdoor plants but not indoor plants I don't know if that's normal I always admire people's indoor plants because they just don't <laughs> work for me or I don't work for them I don't know yeah I can do the easy ones <laughs> but some of the other ones like I keep killing ferns mm. I think <laughs> I want them to need me more than they do so then I uh-huh. like water them <laughs> Like, please need me. Please yeah, need me. <laughs> I want to be important here in this relationship. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit. This just kind of like home habits, just to get to know you a little bit more. So, and these can be like quick questions too. But what, you talked a little bit about what, it was stir fried chicken, I think. What's another favorite dish from your childhood? Mm-hmm. Let's see. I was thinking of the 
not the things that I cooked. The things that I cooked did not make it into favorite list. <laughs> but the things that my mom would cook, um, she'd make this dish called chicken paprikash. She still makes it. It's delicious. And it's mm. basically like a very, very brothy chicken thigh dish with a lot of paprika and a lot of onions. And the oh. onions give up, like the longer you boil it, the more s- sugar comes out of the onions. So it's this sweet red herby broth. And you eat it over, we would eat it over egg noodles, like those really wide curly noodles. But um, let's see, my husband and I are both gluten intolerant and he can't eat eggs. So we eat it over whatever noodles we can eat. Um, and it's so like rustic and warming. And, you know, we eat it when we're sick and we eat it when we're sad and <laughs> we eat it when we're nostalgic. It's it's such a nice dish. I assume it's Hungarian with some Hungarian ancestors um I don't really know the story of the dish but it's it's a definitely a favorite right on that sounds amazing and I love paprika I love onions (laughs) I love chicken I love it all (laughs) (laughs) okay so what's your guilty food pleasure no, I think I try to like not feel that much guilt around food. I am slightly allergic to chocolate. And so I probably have to say like anything chocolate is my guilty food pleasure because I really shouldn't be eating it because I get like serious headaches from it. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's sad. Um, so I'll stick with that. And particularly like peanut butter chocolate, I feel doubly bad because we run a top nine allergen free company. And so anytime I touch peanuts, I'm like, Oh my God, what am I touching? Am I going to like make someone sick? So, you know, I never bring anything peanut to work. Um, Mm. you know, I'm just like, I try to like wash my hands after anytime I eat peanuts, but I, I do love it very much. Right on. Okay. Now, I'm really into music, so I like asking people, like, what's in your music rotation right now? Or what do you like to listen to when you're cooking? So we live in El Cerrito, and there is this absolutely amazing radio station here called World One Radio. It's KECG. It's the El Cerrito High School radio station. Oh, wow. It's it's just on, like, it's on every day in our house, and the music... It's not always new, like they replay shows. So sometimes, you know, there's some songs I've heard seven times um, on this radio, but it's it's all new artists for me. And I'm just like constantly shazamming whatever they're playing, but I never go back and listen to it because there's always new stuff coming in and it's all amazing. And it's music from so many cultures around the world. It's in different languages. Um, I think it's primarily music by people of color and it's just exciting and like there's the the guy who runs it, it's this guy named Corey. He like I don't know, he's like a poet and he just reads spoken word poetry over the music, which is really bizarre, oh, wow. but like totally endearing. So highly recommend. I'm not actually sure you can stream it, but if you're in El Cerrito, it's eighty eight point one. It's so wonderful. So I basically never listen to like a specific artist because I just listen to Corey on eighty eight point one. I love it. My sister was a gaucho, went to El Cerrito, so that is so cool. All right. So finish this sentence for me. If I could have dinner with blank, I would cook them blank. This is so hard. I think, you know, my my hero right now in life is Brene Brown. So Mm. I would have dinner with Brene Brown and I would cook her... 
Oh, gosh. I would probably cook her pizza because I want to show off my gluten-free pizza making skills. <laughs> and I want her to be my best friend. And <laughs> I think a lot of you people know. want her to be their best friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's she's been life-changing for me. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit why Brene Brown. So I read her book, Dare to Lead, I think in 2018. No, 2019, summer of 2019. And I had been working on leadership and management with a coach, um, Allie Ball in the Bay Area. Um, Because I realized like 2018 is seven years into running my business, I realized I didn't really know anything about leadership or management. And I was probably a pretty bad boss. So I started working with Allie to like, learn what management meant <laughs> so I didn't really have those basics I'd never had a real job before but seriously so I was working on it it was like I okay I was bought into the re- like that it was important and then a, a year after I started that work I listened to dare to lead uh, as an audiobook and I was driving to LA and back so I I listened to the whole thing in two days I cried like five times I was literally like trying to take notes on a piece of paper in the passenger seat, like while driving on the five, which I don't recommend. I found the notes the other day. It was really funny. They make no sense. Like everything is written over itself because <laughs> I couldn't, because I wasn't looking. Um, but just everything in that book just like ignited my brain. I got back to bread seriously and I told my staff about it and I cried while telling them about it. And then we've started a dare to lead book club at work. So we're, we're on the last chapter now, which I'm, I'm debating splitting into two to just like savor it a little longer because we've been reading this book for um, going on two years now, just like pages at a time and dissecting everything. Um, But it's transformed our whole culture. It's transformed me as a leader and how I understand leadership and how I understand myself as a person. And it translates to my outside of work, personal relationships. It's just very, it's very it for me. I don't know if it ignites other people the same way, but something about it was like the right thing at the right time for me. Right. And I mean, I think that happens a lot with things. Something just hits you at the right time. And it's for you. So you have to embrace that. That's amazing. That's amazing. I know I've I, you've mentioned Dare to Lead. Um, in, <laughs> hi, Jesse. <laughs> you've mentioned Dare to Lead. And um, I think that's the first time I, I kind of met you is when we were talking about leadership and you using that book to think about how you want, what type of leader you wanted to be and how you wanted to encourage the leadership within the staff that you have. So, and I think that's awesome. Thanks. Okay, so last question, um, because I ask folks to share a recipe um, with me if they would like, and you shared the panzanella recipe. So tell me a little bit why you wanted to share that recipe. Um, well, this recipe is full of heirloom tomatoes and bell peppers and cucumbers, which are like my favorite. Well, actually, like eight-year-old Sadie is like rebelling right now because I hated tomatoes until like college or after college. I don't know. I really didn't like tomatoes. I'm a twin. And so anything my sister liked, I had to hate. So she got tomatoes. I got bell peppers, you know, Um, (laughs) but now I like them. (laughs) 
probably since working at the farmer's market and having access to like really good right tomatoes. <laughs> it makes a difference it makes a difference it does um and also like little little sadie kid sadie is delighted that bread salad is a thing that i'm allowed to eat you know so <laughs> I definitely embrace that. So panzanella salad is, it's a fancy term for bread salad. It's the Italian term, I guess. And you make these fresh croutons. So you take some bread. Um, some people will like dry it on on the counter like you do for stuffing, but I like to make fresh croutons. So cut it up mm. into big old, like big, generous, rustic chunks. Um, you like douse it with olive oil. Don't be shy. Garlic, salt roast them in the oven at a pretty high temperature so with with our bread in particular it's um it gets really crusty on the outside and it stays really moist on the inside which is what makes it special so I don't like to dry it all the way out because you still want that like toast quality where it's crunchy on the outside and soft in the middle Mm -hmm. um so you get these big crusty garlicky oily croutons and then you have a salad that's heirloom tomatoes bell peppers and cucumbers I think there's lettuce in there I can't remember with like a sweet golden balsamic dressing and it's just like you you dress it all with the croutons and then you let it sit for like 20 minutes and the bread just soaks up particularly the tomato juice um but it soaks up all of this flavor and it's just like it's like everything you want in summer like all in there in bread (laughs) it's amazing it's so fun and it's beautiful and it's colorful you can make it year-round with whatever produce is available you can make it with winter squash you can make it with kale you can make it with pomegranates um but the heirloom tomato and the cucumber and the bell pepper like those are such juicy bright flavored summer vegetables that they those flavors are just magical to me yeah i i can't i love panzanella and i can't wait to make your recipe because it's gonna be so good so so good well, thank you so much for joining me, Sadie. I had such a great time talking with you. And I can't wait to like actually see you in real life. <laughs> I know. We've never seen each other. <laughs> no. That's great. We met on Zoom, didn't we? <laughs> yep, met on Zoom. Oh, I love it. <laughs> but thank you once again for joining me. And I'll see you soon. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Savor and Sage Unplugged. To subscribe to the podcast, check out other episodes, and to stay up to date, head over to savorandsage.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. And thank you for all of your DMs, emails, all those shouts of encouragement. Stay tuned for the next episode, which drops next Sunday.